On behalf of Leinberg Information Services, this is Bob Keebler, and joining us today is Jerry Schreiber, CPA from Louisiana, the nation's foremost expert on casualty losses. Jerry, I understand that on August 25th, President Trump signed DR-4322, allowing federal agencies to assist with Hurricane Harvey. Now, I know this brings us into Section 165C3 of the Code, which gives taxpayers the ability to take an itemized deduction for losses that arise from fire, storm, shipwreck, or other casualty. And I think when I first looked at this, what struck me is this loss is an itemized deduction, A, B, it's computed on the adjusted basis of property, not the fair market value. C, we have this 10% of AGI issue. D, the loss is net of insurance proceeds. And finally, casualty losses are generally deductible in the year of the loss. However, which you'll teach us, you can elect to treat the loss as having occurred in the year immediately preceding the tax year in which the disaster occurred if within a federally declared disaster area. So with that as a starting point, help us out here and let's start with this whole basis issue. Walk us through what the law is and what that means as a practical matter. Okay, Bob, where we're going to start off is that each homeowner who has damaged property will have uh, first of all, they're going to they're going to have an insurance adjuster's report. Uh, even the people who may not have had flood insurance would go ahead and file a claim with their property and casualty insurer uh, just to have have a claim in case it's needed. And if not, FEMA uh, will come out and will do a survey of the damage and also could give the homeowners an estimate of what they think the damage is. Now. That being said, uh, as you mentioned, 165, uh, the code section, the measurement of the, the loss is the decline in fair market value immediately before and immediately after the event. Uh, okay, the taxpayers have the choice of that or the cost of repairs can be used as a measurement of the decline in fair market value. Now, in filling out Form 4684, one of the other items which needs to be uh, considered is the taxpayer's basis in the property. Now, in most, that term basis, as most tax professionals and financial professionals know, is foreign to the public. And so it creates a, a lot of confusion, and in some cases it's not really uh, that difficult to, to, to ascertain, but we have to kind of explain – well, we have to explain it to our, to our clients and, and kind of walk them through it to have the information to fill out the form. It is a cha- it is a challenge in, in that sense that it's, it's foreign to, to, to the public. So, Jerry, the next obstacle we have to cross is this 10% of AGI. So if somebody's AGI is, let's just call it 200000 where do we start? 
So if it's 200,000, I believe it's line 37 on page 1 of Form 1040. So if it's 200,000, then the casualty the casualty loss would have to would be have to be in excess of 20,000 to be deducted. So if my decline in fair market value was $100,000, all my cost to cure, which is the cost of repairs, as a measurement of the decline at $100,000, then that $20,000 would be deducted from my $100,000, and $80,000 would transfer over to Schedule A as an itemized deduction. So this equation on basis is a little bit more complicated. So if my house is worth half a million, my damage was 100, but my basis was, say, 110, I could still deduct the entire 100, except I'd have this AGI limitation going on at the same time. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, correct. In most instances, what's going to happen in Harvey, because I tend to think that the, the that the new the newer subdivisions sustained the most damage, and they were in the lower regions, further away from the city. So it, it's going to be newer construction, and, and the basis, because it, the people will have bought it more recently, will be determined. But the subject of the basis, some some people find it cumbersome in filling out the 4684, but it's really, it ends up really not being an issue because it's, it's going to, in most cases, be the cost to cure or the cost of repairs that were expended by the, by the, uh, by the homeowner. So now we get beyond this 10% rule. So the person that's really in trouble is the person with low basis and a total loss. Does that make sense? Correct. Yes. So when we looked at some of the news coverage where the hurricane made landfall, it's very possible some of those people will not get as much tax relief as somebody that had a new house with a higher basis. Yes, that, that that is correct. That that that's that's the way the, the you know the formula works out. It's it's what I call it's it's most of this is mechanical calculations, and so uh, the, it's it just it just ends up uh, working out that way. And in addition to to that, is on the tax side. We're talking about a tax refund, so the refund is dependent upon what bracket that the taxpayer is in. Uh, so the higher bracket that the taxpayer is in uh, would determine what, uh, how much the refund that they get. They not. This is not a dollar-for-dollar dollar situation where if I have an $80,000 casualty loss, I will not get an $80,000 tax refund. It will only get the amount that uh, based upon the bracket that the taxpayer is in. So it's not uh, any kind of mechanism uh, or anything to make the taxpayer whole as a consequence of the disaster. Now, I understand some people may be able to actually use this loss on their 2016 return. Yes, that's correct. The taxpayer files an election to claim it on the 2016 return, even though it occurred in 2017. And the reason why that was uh, put into the law was to hopefully to give people who had been in disasters uh, the ability to get some money immediately to help them uh, rebuild.
where there would be someone who would have been affected by uh, a disaster, that you really need to put the pencil to it to see uh, where you would get the greatest benefit uh, in deducting the loss. Now, can I do that on an amended return or only if my return is still on extension? No, it would be done on either on a 1040X or an 1120X. Okay, so we can fix that then. Correct. It's available to, to businesses and to individuals. Now, just help us out, maybe even a little non-tax issue here. Some people will have uninsured losses, and they might not have flood insurance. Are there going to be other government programs that might help those people, or is that yet to be seen, depending on what Congress does? Some of it will be dependent upon what Congress does, but from what's been said thus far is the, the – um, I think the uh, director of FEMA has commented on this. It was in the uh, in the Houston newspapers uh, that there is a large part of the damaged homes that are uninsured. So maybe it would be 80 or 85 percent. And what the director of FEMA has commented on is that those people will have to avail themselves of uh, probably SBA loans, which I think goes up to $200,000 or maybe $250,000, whatever the program, you know, they they probably would be able to get the max of whatever the program that's going to be in place at the time that they would apply for uh, for the loan. The, the, the whole situation with disasters is a very fluid situation with FEMA, with the SBA, and maybe any other agencies gets involved. The, it, the program may not be the same immediately after the disaster as it is a couple of months after the disaster because these, the government may keep on changing the program. Uh, so, for instance, Give you an idea with with FEMA would come in originally in some disasters, and let's say they would say, well, when they clean up neighborhoods, that they would only go in three feet from the curb, but then maybe two weeks later they change the program and they'll go in ten feet from the from the curb. Maybe they won't fix your roof, and then maybe they will fix your roof. Uh, the, the the thing keeps keeps evolving, and, and you really have to keep monitoring the the particulars. Uh, I think what's probably going to happen is there's going to be recovery centers that open up that will have FEMA there, it will have the SBA there, that will maybe have the Red Cross there, maybe the state insurance department, maybe the state contracting board would kind of be a one-stop shop for those who, who experience damage. I see. Do you want to just walk us through to close today a computation. I want to make sure everyone pulls this all together and has kind of an image in their mind of how this might work. Okay, let's take, and which really, just to visualize this, is to take a, uh, to get a form 4684 uh, from the IRS website or if you have one handy. So you're going to have the lines are going to be marked A, B, C, and D, okay? And the way you fill out the form and 
you, you can after listening to this, then you can you can go through with a pencil and try and visualize it with some sample figures. Okay, on line A, you're going to have your personal residence. On line B, you're going to have all your personal property, the contents, the clothing, and 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 uh, personal objects that you had in your house. If you lost a, a for instance, an automobile, that would be a separate item on line uh, uh, C. And then uh, if you, it was a motorcycle or boat, then that would be a separate item on line D. Uh, now, let me mention one other thing. Uh, okay, IRS has a publication 584 workbook, uh, which is on their website. And the publication 584 workbook is meant to assist taxpayers in uh, determining what their personal property uh, is, well, rather was in their homes that, that they would have lost or would have been flooded as a consequence of the event. So the publication 584 workbook would be, uh, would, it's, there's a separate page for each room in the house. And on that, on that page, there would be suggested items, uh, sample items of what, what would be in the house. So, for instance, in a living room, there would be a sofa, an end table. Uh, there might be some, some side chairs, a coffee table, lamps. It'll list that just to, to kind of help people refresh, uh, refresh their memory uh, as to what was in their house. And it'll be set up according to living room, entrance hall, dining room, bedrooms, kitchen, garage, uh, storeroom. And so that's something that every anyone who's experienced a loss has to get the publication 584 to use to be able to determine what their personal property is to be able to put on the 4684 form. Besides what we're talking about, the loss with 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 the structure with the building. Okay. All right, now, so we're going to have the Form 4684, and it's going to, we're going to have, um, it's the, 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 go through the calculations of the form with the uh, value before the uh, disaster, the value after the disaster, the uh, cost or basis, any insurance received, and then we're going to come down to the, to what, what our uh, uh, loss would be. So, if we had a hundred thousand dollar loss on the building and we had fifty thousand let's say on the personal property, the contents, and then the automobile it was a five or ten thousand dollar loss, then all of that is gonna be totaled up and it's gonna be on the form. And then we are going to uh deduct from that uh the ten percent of AGI and then the remaining figure would be transferred over to Schedule A and deducted as an itemized deduction. Jerry, we want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of Lineberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler with Jerry Schreiber, CPA from Louisiana, to discuss casualty losses in wake of Hurricane Harvey. Thank you for joining us today.